Welcome to 9 to 5, the blueprint on how to invest your time, energy, and passion to create a life of purpose broken from the chains of paycheck servitude. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey there, Jack here, 9to5.com, and in this video, I want to cover the 30 lessons I learned in my first 30 years of life. So yes, it happened. I survived the first 30 years, and hopefully the next 30 years is not all downhill, but I feel really good about kind of where I'm at in life and my direction and my compass is pointing north. So I wanted to go ahead and just take an opportunity to have some reflection, some self-reflection on where I've been, and hopefully there's some actionable tips in this video that you'll be able to take back. And if you're younger than I am, or even older than I am, but not maybe where you want to be at that stage, be able to implement some of these. So let's go ahead and dive into it. I'll be very brief on each one so we don't spend all day here. So lesson number one is that the best financial decision I ever made was picking the right partner. My wife is absolutely my muse, she's my inspiration, and I have a lot of friends who are not in that same position where there's a lot of strife in their relationship and they don't have the same viewpoint. So if you're not married right now and you're maybe getting more serious with your girlfriend, really take the opportunity to have those you know, tough conversations about money, childhood, religion, all those hot buttons that people sometimes avoid when kind of they're in that romantic phase of the life because if you end up with somebody that you are not aligned with, it's going to be very difficult for you to achieve your goals if they're contrary to her goals. Number two is to control your expense ratios. You see, we're going to bounce all the way around from life to expense ratios here. Um, right now, this is actually a screenshot from my portfolio. So I pay 0.04% on average of my entire portfolio. And it's amazing to see the amount of fees you could rack up. When I first got started, my all of my investments were over 1% expense ratio. So you definitely want to take care of those. Pick an allocation and stick with it is number three. This is one where I'm talking to myself here. I haven't fully embraced this lesson. I continue to do research in what my allocation is and making changes to it because I think I've figured out the next best thing. But there's a great video, a uh, great book from Meb Faber called Global Asset Allocation. I have a link in my blog post, 9to5.com slash 30 lessons, just the number 30 lessons. And uh, in Global Asset Allocation, a very quick read, great book. It basically takes some of the most popular and very different divergent asset allocations from uh, very famous hedge fund managers. And it looks at how they did over the course of 30 plus years of investment horizon. And ultimately, they all ended up in roughly the same place. Some had more peaks and valleys, some were more stable, but ultimately, just pick one, it doesn't matter which one you need to pick, uh, you're going to end up in the right place if you buy and hold and stick to the strategy. Number four is always be testing, but always be moving forward. I get paralyzed. I do analysis paralysis all the time, especially when it comes to online business and blogging and kind of getting things off the ground. Every time I find a new idea, I can totally change directions and I never make progress. So you always want to be able to test things and find the most optimal way of doing whatever it is your goal is, but always do it with the intent of making progress every day, every hour. Number five is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And, you know, this is just with anything in life, right? Whole life insurance. Um, there's just a ton of examples of when you're trying to get taken advantage of, people have a way of really hiding the facts. And if you are to be financially independent, you need to be able to not listen to the sales pitch, but read the fine print and understand what it is you're signing up for. That's why I buy very reliable cars. I don't really care about how flashy my stuff is. I, 
I know what, what true is and kind of what the lies are that people can be sharing you sharing with you and you want to be able to avoid that. Number six is that financial leverage can be scary, but time leverage can be a game changer. And you know, as an investor, I have dabbled in options trading where I'm trading on margin and I'm controlling 10 times the amount of money that I actually have invested in the account. Uh, and some of that can be very scary and rightfully so. A lot of real estate investors were highly over leveraged and lost their shirts in the 2008 uh, financial crisis. But time leverage, this is the idea. I'll give you, give you a couple examples. So when I write a blog post, I'm not just writing a post to one person, the time I put into that one post can stay for months and years and continue to bring value to other people's lives, continue to bring people to my brand and my audience, and can potentially start making me money. So that one effort is leveraged over and over again. Another example, I can write a one-on-one -on -one email with somebody and I can serve that one person that one time. But what if I create a sequence of emails that go out to every subscriber and they kind of get that value every time a new subscriber comes in. I put in the work once, but that time is leveraged multiple, multiple times. So if you are a busy corporate guy like I am, you have the most scarce resource you probably have is your time. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you know, you've got some other things to deal with as well. But if you do have a surplus, what you probably don't have a surplus of is time. I've got three kids, a beautiful wife. I'm trying to stay in shape and kind of take care of myself as well. So whenever I sit down to work, my time is very critical. Number seven is that FI is more for my children's sake than for my own. I like to work guys like this is not something where I'm trying to say, you know, F you to my boss and leave my job. It's really because the most important memories I have of my childhood was when I was spending that quality time with my parents. And my dad was an amazing, is an amazing dad. Um, he's still working in a corporate career as well. But it, it's it's such a rare opportunity to have that one on one time with your parents, especially when you have, you know, three kids to two parents, you know, it, it gets rather difficult. And so for me, and for you guys, hopefully, don't do this just as a way to avoid the pain of work, you should be going towards the pleasure of being able to provide a greater future and a greater experience for your children, develop them into good uh, you know, citizens of the society and all that good stuff, because you know the world is a little bit crazy right now. And so the more that we can really imbue good deeds into our kids and, and show them the, the value of hard work, um, the better. So number eight is that you have to enjoy the journey to FI. This is not just a race to the finish where you suffer through every day. We don't know if we're going to have tomorrow. Today may be the last day. And if you're close to reaching financial independence, but you've hated the 10 years it took for you to get there, I don't think that's the right way to live your life. You can live your life however you want to, but through just pure deprivation and, and scarcity mindset, um, that does not lead to a very pleasant existence in my opinion. However, you know, look for those ways where you can have an amazing time, you know, Go on vacations with your family and your kids. You know, spend money on a nice date night if it makes sense, if your marriage kind of needs that at that point in time. And you all know that you kind of go through those times where you need it. But ultimately, know where your true north is and just know that every time you make one of those splurges, you're doing that intentionally and you're willing to sacrifice the additional time that's going to take for you to reach financial independence. But if that is a good uh, thing for you, go for it. Number nine is that you can only save so much money but there's no limit to how much money you can earn. And this is a major mindset shift that kind of came into my wife and my world over the last 
two years or so. Rewind back a couple of years, my wife had just quit her job. We had just had our first child and you know, money was a little bit tight. And so our big thing was save as much as we can, invest it in the markets and just try not to, try not to spend any money. Uh, we didn't think we could earn much more because we made the deliberate decision for her to quit her job and be a stay-at-home mom. So over time, she quit her job she started blogging primarily as a way just to kind of have some adult interaction and be out there in the world and all of that. We really didn't know how much money we would be able to make from it. We had read some income reports from other bigger bloggers that showed that there was a possibility to make money through this. Now, fast forward a couple of years later, and now it is generating a full-time income and is actually heavily out <laughs> exceeding my salary at my day, uh, day job. And so the point being that entrepreneurship is a fantastic complement to your corporate job as you're pursuing financial independence. A couple things are going to happen. One is you're not going to really be able to spend that much money because your time when I'm number one is you're not going to be able to spend that much money because you are going to be spending all your time on that side hustle. You're not going to want to go out and shop and go to the movies or go to games and things like that. You're going to be hustling. And you know, if you're spending on your business, that's one thing, and that's an investment if you're making it wisely. But just kind of going out and discretionary spending, buying stuff you don't need to impress people you don't like and all that good stuff. I love that quote. Um, that's where side hustling is really going to help you. And it helped us as well. When my wife was not yet kind of getting into the blogging sphere, uh, you know, she would spend what she needed to spend because she was kind of fighting off that mommy guilt. So um, I really think that entrepreneurship should be part of everyone's uh, life kind of behind the scenes. Number 10 is don't ignore taxes when comparing investment strategies. So I love trading options. I love tactical asset allocation. I love trend following. I love all the different investment strategies that involve daily, weekly, monthly trades based on technical indicators and all that fun stuff. And I know I'm kind of getting geeky here, but the big thing when you're reading those white papers and all the investment strategy returns is that they almost always exclude the impact of taxes. And that is for, I think, two reasons. One's benevolent, one is kind of self-serving. The benevolent reason is you can't really accurately predict what the tax rate is going to be for any individual implementing that strategy. You know, you may be a low-income earner where you don't have any uh, any taxes on your investment gains. You may be in the highest tax bracket at the time and be slaughtered with taxes. So they cannot tell you exactly what your impact is going to be using that strategy. But the self-serving one I think is more powerful and that's the one where they know that if they were to show impact of taxes, maybe at separate tax brackets to kind of make it a little bit more fair, it would show many strategies underperforming a simple buy and hold asset allocation, especially if you factor in the cost of the time it would take to implement the strategy correctly and monitor and do all of that. So when you're looking at tax, when you're looking at investment strategies, just be aware, uh, you know, know that they're also selling something to you. Never tell yourself anything differently. You know, they're trying to sell you something just as much as the insurance guy is when he tries to meet up with you. Number 11 is that, and this kind of ties into a previous one, but saving money is not deprivation. It's a strategic purchase of your future freedom. And this was a mindset shift I think I heard on a podcast a little while back, and I love the way how eloquently it was stated. It's that every dollar must be intentional. Whether it's going out to purchase gas, obviously that's an intention. If it's going into your savings account to build up your emergency fund, or if it's going into your 401k to avoid taxes and invest for the future, whenever you choose to spend, have a reason for it. Don't just do it mindlessly or because you're bored, but 
in the same vein, when you're saving money, do that intentionally as well. Do it so that you are preparing for your future and you're not doing it to kind of feel bad about it, but feel good about it. I mean, imagine a dollar saved now with compound interest is going to be many, many dollars saved when it comes time to actually withdraw that money. So make the investment now and, and just feel good about it so that you know what you're reaching for like that. Number 12 is that work is not the enemy, or at least it shouldn't be the enemy. An anchor is the enemy. And this is me speaking from my own perspective. I love work. I, I don't love my job, but I love to work. I love to kind of challenge myself and look for self-growth and development and continuous improvement. The challenge is that when you kind of get stuck into that rut of you have your particular job, you have your set ex, uh, expectations, here's when you show up, here's when you're allowed to leave, here's when you're going to be allowed to have your 30 minutes of lunch. Oh, and by the way, um, if your lunches get kind of taken over uh, a couple times a week, like mine do from you know people who decide they want to have lunch meetings, you don't have the control over your schedule. You don't have control over your life and the decisions that you make all the time in your corporate job. So when you're pursuing financial independence, I, I like the FI part of FIRE, you know, financial independent, retired early, but I kind of take issue with that retired early piece. You should want to work. And if you don't want to work, you know, that's fine. That's, that's totally your, your choice there. But there's so much contribution you can make in the world, which I'm, I'll talk about later on, that I think we need to, uh, you know, hold dear. Number third, and okay, so I, I was leading into that. So money really doesn't matter. Contribution does. What I mean by that is just by racking up a savings account that you pass on to future generations, that's nice and it's a good thing to do. But more than that, I think it's really about how much contribution you have on the world in the time that we're here. You know, I, I will admit that I can get too deep into looking at the business, looking at our finances, doing the accounting, kind of being in the business, but not being in the world, especially for my, my children and my wife. So as you're going through your days and you're, you know, counting your acorns or counting your nuts or whatever you want to call it when you're looking at your finances, just know that that is a means to an end. It is not the end itself. Number 14. Strong body, strong mind. I love this one. Sacrifice work time to keep in peak condition and the rest will take care of itself. So what I mean by this is that when I am really passionate about a project, sometimes I can let everything else go by the wayside. I'll start eating the fast food. I'll stop going to the gym. I'll kind of just not take care of myself, stop shaving, doing all of that. And ultimately what happens is I'll sink a lot of unproductive time into my work and the outcome, the result from that work will be kind of just crummy. It won't be what I could create if I were in peak condition. Contrast that to when I have kind of a nice balance between going to the gym at least three, four times a week, eating healthy all the time or most of the time, and then having a smaller time window to work because I've kind of invested that time elsewhere on my body and on my mind. What happens is that my efficiency goes through the roof. My ability to create content at a higher level in a shorter period of time goes through the roof. So never be penny wise and dollar foolish. Your body and your mind and your spirit and all of those aspects of your life that are not directly putting words on the paper or creating video content, you need to spend a ton of time into those aspects of your life because without those, nothing here will kind of get done the right way. Number 15, children are expensive, but I've never been richer. And by that, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of glad that I'm in that childbearing years while I have those corporate healthcare benefits because 
I have seen some of those uh, bills and they're not very pretty. However, even though all those costs are going to happen, if you don't have kids yet and you're going into that world, you know, I'll pray for you. You are rich beyond imagining when you have your kids. And for a couple of reasons, monetarily, because I'm actually saving a lot more money now after having kids than I did before having kids. And they're not in school age yet, so I know that cost will rise. However, we don't go out to eat anymore because it's an absolute show whenever we go out. Um, we spend more time at home. Our crafts and our activities are much cheaper. And really, there's just less to spend on, except for a lot of diapers. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of diapers to be purchased. But also from the non-fiscal side of things, you are going to just appreciate every day more once you have your kids with you and you feel that fulfillment of being a father or a mother and taking care of your family. It's going to elevate your thinking. You're going to be able to think at a higher level, kind of more intentionally, and you'll spend your time more productively. And I have been a happier person once we kind of found a routine that works now with my three kids. Number 16 is don't break the chain in finance, health, family, and hustle. So don't break the chain is one of the few productivity methods that I have kind of gone through over the past several years, as I'm a productivity junkie, 100%, um, that I've really kept with and has really made sense and is consistently applicable. And what it is, is it's the, the, the simplest thing you could possibly imagine. You, you put a calendar out, a, a year-long calendar, and every day you accomplish your goal, whatever that goal is, you just cross off that day in the calendar and you move on. So every day, your chain, the chain of X's you have on your calendar gets longer and longer, and the motivation for you to continue to show up gets more and more. So what happens is it's a habit-forming ritual that you do not want to break your chain. You don't want to fall out of the habit of working on your side hustle or of going to the gym or of doing whatever the, the thing is that you are working on. So if you focus on getting to where you're at a level of habit, when it's no longer an intentional thing you have to do, but it's actually, it would be harder not to work on your hustle because you kind of created that, that mentality, that habit in your mindset, then everything gets easier. It becomes a low energy task to go and put good content onto your blog and into your business. Number 17, along with that, like I said, most productivity tools are really just procrastination tools. And by that, I mean, I can spend hours and hours and hours researching the perfect way to implement a certain productivity method or the right app to kind of keep my to-do list organized. And what I've kind of taken out from that is I really only use one or two tools at this point today. And one of them is Workflowy. I will definitely put a plug in there for workflowy.com. The reason why I use it still is it is the simplest tool out there. All it is is a bullet point list but you can kind of infinitely create lists within lists within lists. And that way you can kind of keep your entire brain on paper, on a single sheet of paper. Um, but I digress. If you are kind of seeking around to the best productivity tools, oftentimes just get some post-it notes, write down what you need to do, put them on your monitor, and just knock them out one by one. So um, don't spend time trying to be more productive. Just get more productive. Number 18, invest in your family, your business, and yourself. Uh, Oftentimes, I will try to never spend on myself and only invest into the markets and into my family time, but I could find my own kind of bucket of self-care, whatever you want to call it, uh, emptying out. You have to find a balance that works for you and works for those around you and stick to it. Consistency is obviously key, 
but taking care of yourself needs to be in that equation. Number 19, the math is rarely the only part of the equation when it comes to debt. And so this is me, I am a finance guy, I like looking at the numbers and I like optimizing things. And I made a very intentional decision to not take the optimal route to financial independence. And I'm talking about the decision we made to pay off our entire mortgage uh, within the first three years of having our house and how we earned enough money to be able to do that. That's the topic for another day. But ultimately we had the money to either invest or to pay off the mortgage. And our interest rate was very low. And we're talking, this was 2015, 2016 when we did this. So it was a very um, aggressive payoff period. We actually even paid a penalty to our mortgage lender because we didn't stick into the bonus we got when we signed up for the mortgage. We didn't stick into the mortgage long enough. I think we only had the mortgage for uh, three years. The reason why we did that though, was we knew that taking the mental overhead off of our plate and being able to focus entirely being debt-free already, but now growing that, that savings nest, that was going to enable us to do our best work and it would enable us to accelerate our earnings rate faster than if we had simply invested it all into the markets and continued to work while having this debt kind of just weighing on us. So now being 30 and totally debt-free, I can tell you that my mind has opened up to where I can be more efficient, more productive, and more purposeful in what I work on because everything that we earn additional to just kind of our basic needs is gravy and is moving us cl closer to our goal. Number 20 is hobbies can be an expense or a profit center, and it's up to you to make the choice, so make a smart choice. I have a lot of hobbies. Most of them involve buying technology that I probably don't need to do things I probably don't need to do. But if you can find a way to align your hobbies with something that can make you money, you know, for example, racing cars is extremely expensive, right? I've got a, a guy at work who you know, races cars and he'll wreck a car or mess up his engine and he'll be spending thousands and thousands of dollars every weekend uh, racing his car. But if you were to find a way to turn that into a profit center where maybe he was teaching other people how to do the repairs or to how to, you know, have an online course about getting better with your car racing strategy he could turn first of all he could turn all of those expenses he's incurring and make those tax deductible expenses onto his business additionally he could potentially be making money from affiliate marketing and other things and selling his own information products while still doing the thing that he loves so for me i love technology so that's why i invest in lighting systems and microphones and computers and webcams to work on our blog and grow that because my wife she doesn't care for the technology piece she wants to create content so that's where i can come in and help and get all the right equipment for her to use as well if you've noticed the backdrop i'm actually at my wife's setup today not my own because i am playing with technology on my side and it's not ready to record number 21 stop expecting handouts and take ownership of your outcome it's easy to complain that Social Security is going to go away by the time our generation is expecting to receive it, even though we're paying into it every two weeks. It's easy to complain when your siblings maybe benefit more than you do at Christmas time or whatever the case may be. It's easy to look externally and feel upset that things aren't fair for yourself, but ultimately that doesn't matter. And it's very biblical, like, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Do the right thing. Do what you say you're going to do and do it well. Um, don't waste your talent. So I try to take ownership of what I do and what happens within my family, my kind of nuclear family. And 
I don't look outside. I don't care what's going on in the outside world. I want to make sure that what I'm doing, I'm aligned with and I think is the right thing for us. Number 22 is be prepared to embrace mentors, but also learn how to sniff out any ulterior motives. So there's a guy who reached out to me, you know, a, a, a supposedly very successful businessman on Facebook. He read a post that I had written and he was interested in kind of my story, my backstory. So we started chatting uh, and he would really give out a lot of valuable insight. He would write these page long posts to me and I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this guy is like, you know, he's in his fifties, he's run and sold multiple successful businesses. He's totally financial independent. What is he doing spending all this time on little old me uh, trying to give me all this valuable content when I'm not paying him and I don't know if he's going to try to sell something to me. So I'm a natural natural skeptic and I like to say just a realist. And so after watching for a little while, he gave off a couple of tells that there that a bait and switch was coming soon. So I'm always looking for a good mentor and somebody who I can trust and can help guide me down my path through life. Uh, but they're not all out there for just your benefit. Beware. Number 23, don't focus on the money. Focus on your own continuous self-improvement and the money will come. I have become a better dad over time. I've become a better worker at my day job, even while building businesses on the side. And I've also ultimately earned more money over time as I've gotten smarter and better and more dedicated. But I don't check our sales every day in our business. I don't look at our bank account every day on personal capital. Well, sometimes I do. The focus should really be on what can you do better today than you did yesterday? How can you serve whoever you serve, whether it be uh, your employer or your customers on your own business, how can you serve them better today than you did yesterday? How can you be a better father today than you were yesterday? If you focus on that, the money, the success, the you know all the fame and riches and all that good stuff, that will naturally come, but don't focus on the end result. Focus on the inputs that go into your behaviors every day that lead to those natural outcomes happening. Number 24, trend following fails in the stock market, but it succeeds in small business. And that's kind of a, a strong statement. What I mean by fails in the stock market is I have uh, invested in a trend following strategy for a little while, and it has not been very successful partly because the tax implications we talked about earlier, partly because we've just been in this amazing bull market. So anything where you're getting out of the S&P is going to be hard to beat just buy and hold. But ultimately, it, it's not the right strategy for me. However, small business, especially online entrepreneurship and things of that nature, pay attention to trends. When something is starting to get hot and something's starting to pop up in either in styling of how marketing happens or in advertising or in just a business model in general, it's okay to hop on the bandwagon because when you go into an area that already has some competition, that proves to you that there is a marketplace. If people are selling it, that means other people are buying it and there is room for you to bring your own unique spin on it. Don't feel like you're just being a me too or a copycat. Find a way to create uniqueness in your message, whether it be simply the demographic that you serve versus who is already out there and who they serve, or if it's just the experience you have, your own personal flair, your own personal teaching style. There's so many ways of you to be unique in your content delivery. Number 25, home-cooked meals are healthier, less stressful, and cheaper than eating out when you have small children. And I think in general, it's just all those things are true, but it gets magnified to like a huge level when you have those small kids at home as well. So we have, this is not actually our meal, that was a stock image, but uh, we've gotten into 
eating extremely healthy at our house, eating amazing produce, better better food than you could buy at a restaurant. Uh, and so we're feeling healthier. You know, our you know all the good stuff is happening. We're we're more energy, we're more focused, and we're saving a lot of money. And there's no stress when we're trying to go out to a nice meal with the kids. We just make the meals at home. Number twenty six. Not all gym memberships are money pits. For example, in our life, the YMCA has been a lifesaver for our health, our wealth, and our family. And the YMCA, if you guys don't have one here, but it's a, it's kind of a full fitness center. So you've got the gym, you've got a pool, you've got a little bit of daycare where you can drop your kids off for a couple hours uh, when you go to work out. And it is a pricey gym. Like it is not a cheap little $10 a month uh, deal, but it has enabled us to have a little bit of sanity back when we kind of get overwhelmed with the children or we just need to get that frustration out in a healthy way through exercise. You can invest in things that most people would say to cut on your way to financial independence. You have to make your own decisions. If you go and read some of the amazing blogs that are out there and they'll tell you there's a specific way to reach FI, take that with a grain of salt and do what is right for you. Our business has improved tenfold after we invested our time and our money into a gym membership. And that's just simply due to the fact that our mindset is better, we're healthier, we have a better balance in our day, and so we're able to succeed more. Number 27, once you've tasted debt-free life, you will never want to go back. And that kind of goes back to the house story uh, from earlier. Um, Once you get there, why would you want to get back into debt? Number 28, Always have a two-week and a six-month vision of where you want to be and work towards that goal. I kind of get stuck in the planning process. I'll be thinking, what do I need to do tomorrow? What do I need to do this year? What do I need to do in my life? And I'm still trying to figure that last part out. But what I found is that these two time periods, two weeks and six months, are very effective for myself to, to kind of keep productive and consistent effort going. The reason for that is that Trying to figure out what you're going to do for tomorrow, for one particular day, you might think you can do all of these lists of items, but in reality, you might only get this one thing done. And in just writing out those tasks, sometimes you can waste time that you could be working on a bigger goal. So a two-week time period allows me to kind of dedicate a theme for that two-week period, whether it's creating a new course or if it's writing a couple of blog posts around a particular theme. You know, a two-week time period is close enough, especially when you're doing this as a side hustle, so that you can feel like you're making progress towards that goal, but it's long enough away that you're not constantly stressed out about getting towards that goal or falling behind. The six-month vision as well is that if I were to plan out what I'm going to do over the next five years, you know, good luck. And over the next year even, with with kids and with everything going on, it's difficult to really think that far ahead. And it's not always practical. You know, I, the one thing from Gary Keller, they do mention to plan all the way back from like where you want to be in 10 years all the way back to what do I need to do in this moment, in this instant. And that's a, a very useful exercise. You can go check out the one thing on Amazon. It's a great book. But that six-month time period is kind of a sweet spot for me where I can see out six months and I know what's kind of going on from January to June and I can set a goal that I can really accomplish and be motivated by it in that time frame. Number 29, um, let the small stuff go and focus on the big picture. You know, if somebody calls you a bad name, that's probably because they're in a bad place in their life and they need to feel better by putting somebody else down. All the little stuff that comes in through your life, you know, you lose a little money here or you don't get your money back when you try to return something, you know, all that stuff is peanuts in the grand scheme of thing. Focus on your family, on yourself, on your kids, on your spirit, 
and in what you want to contribute to the world and just kind of keep going in that way because when you're coming from a, a mindset of abundance of a mindset of trying to do better in the world than what was given to you you're gonna have a much better go at it and finally number 30 don't worry about the other guy you do you it kind of goes along with everything we've been saying here is be content and be strong in your own mindset of what direction you're setting for yourself. Don't worry about if somebody is bigger than you are, if somebody is getting promoted faster than you are at work, if somebody has retired earlier than you want to, to be able to do so. You know, Don't worry about that stuff. That stuff doesn't matter in the end. It's just going to slow you down and get you stuck thinking about the wrong things that are not productive and not helpful for you. So you do you and you'll be fine. All right, guys, so that's it. So we're about 30 minutes in. Thank you so much for sticking it out. I know there was a lot in that. You can always go to my blog post at 9to5.com slash 30 lessons. That's the number 30 in lessons. If you want to read through some of those items, if you like what I shared with you today, be sure to subscribe and like this video and leave a comment. I'd love to hear wherever you're at in life, any of these lessons you've learned as well, or any additional ones that I should have learned in my 30 years that I haven't yet, leave them in the comments below. And I appreciate you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Take care.